37 Disney Street, which isn't far from you, three Disney fans have watched a film which they will now review. Season's greetings, friends, and welcome to 37 Disney Street. This week we're going all festive as we take a look at The Muppet's Christmas Carol. A Muppet Christmas Carol. The Muppet Christmas Carol? Yeah. There's more of gravy than of grave about me. I'm Chris Fletcher. He's not hurt. Didn't even break his concentration. I'm Lucy Rain. It is the American way. It is the British way. Hello, children. I'm Hugh Rain. I love that bit. I, I thought about using that at one point and then I thought, I don't know how I'd do it. That's how I would have done it. Well done, you. <laughs> the British way. Mm. So, what film are we doing today? Well, what is it? <laughs> you tell me. It's The Muppets. Oh, she's cheating. She's reading it Christmas Carol. Yeah. You said The Muppets Christmas Carol. Did you have an S on the end then? No, she no. didn't. She didn't. Did she it might sound a bit over there, but it didn't. Just uh, me. I, I was listening. Good. I, I was doing my very best drama diction. So, so listeners, um, you can... Um, oh, your friends will love it if you correct them on this. Oh, yeah. And they won't stare at you blankly and then shrug and say, what does it matter? It's part of the joys of Christmas correcting people on the title of this film. It's just one of those annoying things that, I, I, like, this happens to me time and time again. I think, how come I've noticed it and everybody else hasn't? I'm not spe- special. Maybe I am special. Well, Maybe you I are am special. special. You are is special. Is it as annoying as people who call it as does? Oh, um, no, because that's just ridiculous. <laughs> uh, I was at the Asda's. <laughs> no, you weren't. I'm, I'm feeling festive. I'm going to have a little bit of a brew. Ooh. No. What yeah. are you having? Well, it's alcohol free. So not that festive then. That's very, that's very Scrooge. It's uh, St. Peter's without I was going to ask you if it was St. Peter's because I could see that it's, it's one of those funny bottle shapes, isn't it? No, it's not a stout. I was reading the without and I thought it's a stout. I do think that's very appropriate for Scrooge having something with beer, but it's no alcohol and it's called without. Yeah, yeah. I like it. It's a Scroogey <laughs> drink. I was going to have proper alcohol, but um, I think I'm going to get emotional, so best not. There we are. <laughs> do you know something, Hugh? I was thinking just before we started recording, hmm. we've done a podcast before well, your podcast well it wasn't me it was it was an elf but it might have been me yeah. um and called, we talked about this called, film quite a bit called christmas time chris thomas time chris yeah. thomas time yeah, yeah. um <laughs> yeah, yeah we did we, we spoke about this film we did uh favorite films so if anyone yeah. wants to check that out it's mm. uh the sudcast that will be episode let's see four about that yeah i would have said i think it's i think it's episode four but it's the christmas one anyway Mm. And uh, yeah, if you want to know, go on to Podchaser um, website, look for me, Chris Fletcher, and you'll see that I was a guest on that podcast because I've credited <laughs> myself against ah. all the different podcasts that I've been on because I'm that sad. No, 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 that's networking. <laughs> yes, we we don't mind you, you know, standing on the shoulders of uh, Hugh's giantness. There we go. That's I good. <laughs> right, I'm craving some some facts. I don't know about you guys. Well, I would love to hear some facts. Shall I serve them up to you on a Christmas platter, boys? Oh, would yeah. you like that? Yeah, yeah I'd okay. like it. With a side of 
interesting. <laughs> I can't <laughs> promise that. They were a bit short in Asda's. It's time to dig a little deeper to learn some Disney stuff. Dig a little deeper. No, we ain't dug this far enough. Dig down deep into the facts. We'll find out what we need. Lucy will school us, guaranteed. Open up the windows. Let in the light. Children. Um, right, this was released on December the 11th, 1992. Great I, fact to begin with. I was mm. 10 and I went to see it with my papa. At Dewsbury. Um, at Dewsbury, where yeah, the cinema, where they only had two screens and you had to queue around the corner. That one. Did it have two screens? Yeah. yeah. It did have two screens. And it was, in, it was in the back screen, the one that you've probably never been in when I saw it. We saw it in the top screen, screen two. Ah, the one that mm. faces the town hall. Or do they both face the town they hall? They both face the town hall. One of them's okay. above. One of them was above the other one, I think. So you walked right up to the back the of it. Mm. Yeah. Um, it was directed <laughs> by Brian Henderson. I nearly said Henderson then. Brian Henderson. <laughs> Good start. Uh, son of Jim Henderson. We will get on to him later. Harry Henderson. Son Harry of Henderson. Jim. Harry Henderson, the Bigfoot. Uh, the screenplay was by Jerry Jewell. Uh, now, I have to give out a shout-out to him because when we get into talking about Star, etc., I am just going to infuse about this screenplay. Um, so I thought, let's check out who he is. His entire career was spent with the Muppets. Um, he was head writer on The Muppet Show. He wrote for Fraggle Rock. He wrote on various Muppet movies. He was a Muppet writer. And I think mm-hmm. it shows if they'd got another screenwriter in, it, it wouldn't have had its charm. He knew no. these people. They were his friends. It was the fourth theatrical feature for The Muppets, but it was the first without Jim Henson. Oh. I know, who very sadly and suddenly died in um, 1990. So that brings me on to the next kind of little chapter, as it were, that I want to talk about, in that why are we talking about this on a Disney podcast? Oh. And this is quite an innie outy kind of thing. It's a belly button conversation. It's 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 just a load of fluff. Um, So in 1989, uh, Jim Henson and Disney CEO Michael Eisner were discussing, seriously discussing, uh, a merger of the two companies. (laughs) I thought you were going to say a murder. (laughs) Murder. Yeah. That might have been involved. You never know. Murder somebody. (laughs) Murder. Um, It was allegedly a $150 million deal. Um, including all, you know, production rights and character rights, not including Sesame Street. But it involved in it um, full creative control given to Jim Jim Henson, but the Disney company would get 15 years of his creative output. So kind Mm -hmm. of he was selling his, pre-selling his intellectual property. Sorry, intellectual property, yeah, Yeah. not sold. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The final production... Uh, this was so in the works and about to go through that the final production he actually did was for a Disney theme park. It was the Muppet Vision in 4D um, oh, production yeah. for the Muppet Courtyard at Hollywood Studios in um, Walt Disney World. Uh, and that was released six months after his death. Interesting story about that. Mm-hmm. Terry Ryan talks very... A friend of ours, Terry Ryan, talks very passionately about that that particular uh, attraction at Disney um, having been there and seen it, and he said it's brilliant because you watch it and this thing comes and lands on your nose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it says, 
I'm talking to you. You, th- you th- something like I'm talking to you. You, everyone else thinks that I'm talking to them, but I'm not. I'm talking to you. Unless you sat slightly off centre of the screen and it's yeah. quite... Then you just see far of everything. <laughs> it's not that effective. You have to be in the middle. It is a good show, though. These these theme park 3D, 4D, sorry, um, productions to do, we found them very sketchy. There's, some of them are fantastic and some of them are ropey. It was one of the better ones, wasn't it? Yeah. Better than mm. bug, the bug one, which I hated. Um, right. So... Um, thing is that this all fell through when Jim died because there was a there was disputes between the family as to whether it was actually Jim's wishes or not uh, the evidence is that it was because they were very far into the paperwork for this merger right. but from the Disney point of view a lot of what they were paying for was Jim Henson's creative output um, right. um uh, when Jim passed away along went the Disney deal now, I'm going to throw my neck out there and say, having seen what Brian Henson was capable of, I kind of think that they probably would have got the money's worth from Brian, but mm-hmm. they didn't. Anyway, so um, they carry on on their own. They are their own company. So we were thinking, why are we talking about this at Disney? It's not Disney. Um, and they started working on this thing and then they pitched it to ABC, which as a television special for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And ABC is owned by the parent company. Disney. Disney, there you go. So the Disney execs got hold of this thing that was about to be made as a TV special and they said, you know what, this would make a good theatrical release. We will put up the money and we will produce it. And that's how it became a Disney feature. So there was no direct um, link between the company at the time. That came later. In 2004, they did purchase Henson Films, but at this point they didn't. They distributed it under the Buona Vista label and they put up the cash. Hey, but Lucy, this is like old times, isn't it? This is like talking about actual stuff going on. Mm. We I haven't know, done this I, for ages. I like this. You like to see yeah. it, It's because we've gone back to 92. Yes, yeah, things happening. When, yeah, when Eisner's kind of scratching his chin and coming up with... Did you turn that page for me? Just no, so that... I'm just having a look how much she's left. <laughs> I thought you did it so I wouldn't be noisy. Not much. Right, well, that, I'll be honest... Is kind of the end of my facts that I think might interest you. The rest of the facts are to do with uh, how they made it, which I think mm. might come along as we discuss it. But yeah. I'm going to give you a few few short nuggets. They chose Gonzo as Charles Dickens because they felt he was the least likely Muppet to be Charles Dickens. Astute choice. Mm-hmm. The Rizzo the Rat um, was... Dis- uh, Beaker. Think- Beaker would have been less likely. Oh, I, no, I, I think, um, what's the King Prawn? Pepe, the King Prawn. Pepe. Oh, yeah. Pe- Pe- Pepe wasn't really about then, though, was he? Because Pe- Pepe came in, uh, in Muppets Tonight, which I think was yes, after this. Yeah, he did, yeah. Um, yeah. He's awesome. I'm just what do you get okay. if you cross an elephant with a rhino? Elephino! I remember that one. I remember that from, from that episode, yeah. I'm just Dickens, okay? Rizzo the Rat was supposed to act as a Greek chorus. Those who studied drama will go, oh, yes, I thoroughly understand that reference. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah. The ghosts were... Now, I think this is where this is a strong adaptation of this book compared to the story. No, okay. But the ghosts were supposed to be existing characters, existing Muppet characters. Specifically, Mm -hmm. Scooter was supposed to be um, past... 
Piggy was supposed to be present and Gonzo was supposed to be future. Right. But it was decided that it would make them more ominous mm. and spiritual if the audience didn't know them. Because they were and just they weren't Gonzo's, gagging. Gonzo's nose just sticking out of the hood. Mm. So I think that, mm. that was a good choice. A Another like thing Pete, is, the reason... in Mickey's. Yeah, just um, the Mickey one is a good comparison because the yeah. goofy Marley... Well, I don't know if they did the Marley Marley, but not a fan. Um, the Scooter character, despite being one of the major Muppets at the time, he's not in it at all because um, Scooter's puppeteer had died oh. at about the same time that Jim Henson had. And they carried on using the character of Scooter, but at this point, they just felt it was respectful not to. I, yeah. I've got to say, I miss Scooter in this film because Scooter is probably one of my favourite Muppets. He's, a, he's an underrated Muppet, is Scooter. Mm. Mm. Um... And I really wish I'd written down the name of his uh, his puppeteer because I feel like he, he deserves a mention, but I forgot up. to. Right, you will look that up. Um, set co- sets were constructed four feet off the ground to mm-hmm. allow space for the puppeteers. This meant that actors had to walk on planks, sometimes less than two feet wide, and act without looking down at the feet. Richard Hunt. Richard Hunt. Died in 92. Dick hey, Hunt. Don't. Sorry, Richard Hunt. Go on. <laughs> okay. Um, Michael Caine was cast and pledged to play Scrooge as if playing it for the Royal Shakespeare Company. He did. He didn't want to gag. This was kind of in He's his a initial. Trooper. Yeah, in his initial deciding to take the role, he said, "I'll I'll do it, but only if I can play it straight." He didn't want I like to. To wig or gag or muppet or anything. George. I like how you say he's made this like decision before he agreed to take the role because he's well known for uh, being very very picky about the roles that he chooses, isn't he? Wait, <laughs> I thought you were going to say he's well known for mugging. No, he, he is no. a bit. He, 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 he does everything. Yeah, his he, yeah. his his ethos is just keep working. Doesn't matter what mm-hmm. it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, George Carlin was going to play it, and oh. when I found that out, I was like, I can see that. Yeah, it would have been and a very different film. In another universe, we're saying now, Michael Caine almost played it, and we're going, no, can't imagine no, yeah. that. You know what I mean? I think it's one of those mm-hmm. where I can actually see George Carlin doing a really good job of it. Yeah, I yeah. remember, as I said, I went to see it with, with my dad in the cinema at Dewsbury, and I remember my dad saying afterwards, it's the best thing I've ever seen Michael Caine do. I thought you'd say it in his Doom. life. And... Um, <laughs> I, I didn't know who he was. He was Scrooge. And they were like, oh, what do you mean? He went, oh, he's a really famous act, really famous actor. He's absolutely rubbish. But this is the best thing he's ever seen. Oh, that's well, no, cruel. thing is, obviously at the age of 10, I didn't really know Michael Caine. And I had this preconception then that he was a rubbish actor. And I was actually surprised as I, as I grew into an adult to watch some of his films and think, actually, he's not that bad, Dad. Yeah, he's yeah. all right. But my dad went, he's rubbish. This is the best thing I've ever seen him do. Anyway, I'm going to take a sip of my drink. So Hugh's going to cup the microphone so we don't hear it. And you two are going to talk about something else. Well, should we talk about expectations? Well, we've all seen... There's no point in talking about expectations today, is there? Because we've all seen this to death, have we not? So I'm just making a note of the timestamp because when Lucy has a drink, I have to mute the sound. (laughs) (laughs) Now I've got to edit all of this out. No, you don't. It's fun. Oh, yeah, Um, yeah. Okay. What were you saying? <laughs> I was just saying, there's absolutely no point in us talking about expectations because we've all seen this film to death, haven't we? Yes, and uh, you you don't have any notes today, do you? 
I haven't written any notes down because I feel confident that I can talk I, about this quite openly. I, I could have done it without notes, but uh, I haven't written quite a lot actually. But yeah, um, but uh, since we're going to do story, mm. the best, most condensed way of hearing the story is through our children. Actually, that's a lie because uh, <laughs> they put pauses literally in between syllables and it takes me an, an hour to edit them together. And Bonnie actually leaves a gap before she puts the, the S on the end of word. <laughs> <laughs> so what you hear, sometimes you can hear where I've cut it, but like I, I literally had 10 minutes worth of stuff here. So that's why it's so long. It's four minutes though. We just watched... The Muppet's Christmas Carol. The Muppet Christmas Carol. I saw some penguins in it. They were on the ice skating. It's about a man called Ebenezer Scrooge and he visits three spirits that shows him present, past and future. And there's these Marley brothers and they tell him they'll be visited by three spirits that will show him how to be like... Good and kind. When the pastor comes, she's like a ghost and she's got ginger hair. The first spirit is this ghost god thingy. And that's the ghost of Christmas past. And it shows him all the, some of the ha- one of the happy things and some of the sad things about Scrooge's past. And she takes him to his school and his work from the past. And the next spirit is like this Muppet. Thingy. The ghost of Christmas present brought him to his worker's house and he sang a song with him. He's a giant and he has um, a ginger beard. And then he only lasted a day, so, so when it came night, um, he had a white beard. And he shows him like what will happen if he carry on being like that. And it was like the tiny Tim that he won't feel that well and he might die. And then the third spirit is like this creature thing in this like stone grey jacket thing, and it has a black, and all you can see is like black on its face, and it just points and doesn't talk. He took him to the streets and things about Scrooge and everything. And there's also a, a grave for Scrooge, but then he wakes up and he goes and opens the door. The window, I mean, and he says, Good, I haven't missed Christmas Day. And then goes to Kermit's house after he's, like, said Merry Christmas to lots of people and gave, like, money to these people who were giving money to the poor. He gives Kermit the turkey because they don't really have that much food. They're, like, poor. He becomes nice because of all the ghosts and, like, he starts singing with the city and being nicer. And Tiny Tim, what? Who was not dead? <laughs> oh, good, that's a relief. Was all right. <laughs> <laughs> the end. There's a rabbit which has no home, and and it's shivering in the junk of newspaper. My favourite bit was when the second spirit was there. I liked him. My favourite bit was when Gonzo slammed the door, and then a cat was just like meow, and they just fell off the. Doll. My favourite character was probably Scrooge because he like starts bad and then he gets better. My favourite character is Miss Piggy because she was just so funny. Kermit. 
My favourite song was the one at the start when they talk about Scrooge. My favourite song was Scrooge's song once he becomes nice. My favourite song is... What was your favourite song? Uh, I can't remember. I would give it a five out of five. And I've also watched Mickey's Christmas Carol 2. What score would you have given that one? Uh, probably a four out of five. I would give it a five out of five. Yay! Merry Christmas, everyone! So it's time to discuss how the story goes, I know It can't be worse than Oliver and Coke My preamble was almost as long as, as that, to be honest, wasn't it? Yes, it was a bit, but... You know, so, I have it. a question. We, we're not really going to talk about expectations, um, because we've all seen it a lot. Great expectations. Has anybody read the book, the original Charles, Charles Dickens book? No. No. I, I looked up one bit of it because I always thought um, the line, um, Tiny Tim, who did, not, who did die, not die, I always thought that line was a little bit clunky and I thought, oh, that line sticks out to me. So I actually looked it up in, uh, in the book and obviously it's a line from the book and I was like, oh, yeah. okay. And then I got that he was literally saying all the things that Dickens wrote. So that's the only bit I've read I, is the last bit. Well, I think I'm, I might have prompted you to read that because I think I remember having a conversation with you where I said exactly what I'm about to say now. I am not, a, I've got a problem with Dickens. I do like classics, but I've got problems with Dickens, not a big fan. But I really, really love The Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. First of all, it is very short, so you can sit down and merrily read it in two baths, as it were, which I recommend doing. Um, as in you in one bath and Hugh in yeah. the other one. Yeah. No, no, no. That's uh, that's that's you straddling two baths. <laughs> yeah, that's the only way I recommend reading it. Um, but it is. I'd watched this first because I said I watched it when I was young. Um, it is amazingly, amazingly true to the film. Uh, true to the book is this film. Like really, like the the narration from Gonzo is word for word. All the sort of conversations, like the ones in the. Um, in the office at the beginning between Mr. Applegate and Fred. Yeah. It's word for word from the book. So as so I the... was as I was reading the book, it was almost like reading the screenplay without Rizzo. You know what I mean? It, it was so close. And that is for a children's film. Nobody else had ever done that before. How many times it had been adapted before? No one else had used Charles Dickens' narration in that way and to be that, that That's exactly what I was going to say. There's a reason this film works so well um, over other adaptations. And I'm not saying that the others are all terrible because they're not. Um, Scrooged, in particular, is a really good film. Mm, <laughs> I think it is. It is. Um, but what this does incredibly well is the fact that Charles Dickens is there narrating the story gives them an awful lot of freedom to go in and use the book in, a, in much more detail than other films have done in the past and that narration is great for kids because it keeps them uh, in with the story and keeps everything going but it's also great for for that adaptation piece as well um mm-hmm. i I, th- I think it's a, a wonderful adaptation of what i know of the book and i've spoken to a lot of people who have read it who say that it's one of the best adaptations of the book out what, there. what i like about that as well the addition of uh, gonzo and rizzo is um you just get added humour where there wouldn't be any. And even though mm-hmm. most of the time they're just saying the lines, you've got them interacting with the backgrounds and doing things and whispering things to characters. I and... knew you weren't suited for literature. 
that kind of thing. Yeah. It's very You can self-aware. fit through those bars. Yeah, oh, Bonnie loved that. And You're an idiot. I love how self-aware of what it is they're doing. The, mm. the moment I knew I loved this film, right when I was a kid, um, was when he says he's the author and he knows the story because he wrote it. And he, and he said, Scrooge is going to come around that corner. And he goes, when? Uh now. <laughs> and just that as a joke, it really sort of sets it. This omnipotent author thing is so clever. Mm. Well, since we're on that bit, um, I want to say that I think I said this before, there's there's a bit of an annoying thing where in films they don't show a main character's face for ages. <laughs> you know, like it's a big reveal. But we've seen the poster, we've seen the trailer, you know, we've seen uh, interviews, we know who's in it. So it just seems strange that the... They really focus on this. But in this film, it really works. And even though I've watched it 20 times, um, his face not being revealed really works in that scene, walking through and then turning around and just going, humbug. Do you know why I think that is? It's because the the main... um, I can't think of the word... feature of the character is that he treads on the little people. And to have all the Muppets who are low down and small and furry mm. and creaturish and have him stomping through them, it's very allegorical. That's the first uh, like hint of, of this film. You get that lovely shot at the beginning of all the, the rooftops. Oh, and then I just as that. it comes down into the town, the first thing you see is... Like, I, I can't remember if it's a little uh, a rat or something, but there's just, there's just a little Muppet munching on something on a rooftop and then it goes into the town and that's the first hint mm. that's yeah, the first yeah. sort of living thing you see and it's like it's Muppet time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is a strong opening and, and uh, obviously we'll talk about music and visual effects and stuff in a minute but it's all it just sets the scene so well right from the very beginning that whole bit over the over the houses as you as you're sweeping into it all and then you know it just it just sets the scene so well you, you've I instantly feel like you're watching a, a Christmas film. You feel festive and yeah, I, and emotional right I from the off. I also think I'm, I'm kind of I'm thinking of this the entire opening role, as it were. Um, but it's it's very good at getting kids to appreciate literature because when it says the Marleys were dead to begin with, and Risa goes, "That's that's a good opening." What you think that opening, is yeah. a brilliant opening. If you think mm. about that's the start of a novel. Everything that you get in those words. And that happens throughout. You really get to appreciate the writing itself. Um, and it makes it so human and fantastic. I can't enthuse enough. In fact, I've just decided I'm going to start reading A Christmas Carol tomorrow. Well, I I was thinking that Lucas and I might read it, actually. So mm. uh, Because he's just loving his reading at the moment. And I think it would be a good opportunity. Coming into this, he didn't really want to watch it. He'd watched it a couple of years ago and he wasn't bothered. But I think he was just too young. Um, and he walked away from this, and well, you've already heard, he gave it five out of five. He just, he absolutely loved it, um, and he, just the story in general. He now wants to watch other um, Christmas Carol things. He's just, he's just really interested in it. My, my two-day Christmas read recommendation is Merry Christmas, Mister Baxter. It's just a lovely, uh, oh. 19, I think it's nineteen fifties American book, but uh, it's the guy who wrote uh, Father of the Bride. Oh, okay. Uh, and it's based on one of his books, but that's like a two-day read. It's just about a guy. Just getting ready for Christmas in uh, New York in the fifties. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's cool. just there's nothing to it. It's brilliant. Um, I want to talk about casting. Can we talk about casting? Yes, because yeah. the casting's perfect. And we've, we've already spoken about Gonzo, but you know Kermit is just just right for that kind of downtrodden, mm. humble, you know, beautiful soul. And then mm-hmm. Piggy, 
Uh, it's just like had to be. Yeah, mm. it's just great. Um, and the fact that managed Robin. to get Robin in there as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I I said to Hugh halfway through it, you yeah. know, Fozzywigs. Mm. I was surprised when I read the book that that is the actual name of the of the firm. And I said, do you think someone <laughs> is it read... is it Fizzywig? Fizzywig, isn't it? Yeah. But, yeah. Do you think someone read Fizzywigs? And that's where they came up with the idea of the Muppet probably, Christmas Carol. Probably, it's just yeah. too well, perfect. It's, got, it's it? got to start somewhere, maybe. But then there's oh. like the slightly underused characters. Like uh, Rolf is always underused. Like the mm. new uh, Muppet Babies, um, he's hardly in it. Yeah, he's not like he a was such a big part of the original ones. It, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah, Getting yeah. Getting the manager. But Animal as well, he's just uh, just got a brief appearance. I, it's a gag, the Animal's appearance is a gag, and he wouldn't have fitted anywhere else, but the gag mm. is a good one. And it manages to take you, because they're doing the 18th, sorry, not 18th century, 1800s music, 19th yeah. century music, um, which clearly the filmmakers don't want to do. And his appearance is a really good way of getting it into a swing beat. Mm-hmm. You know, They do this kind of thing so often, they use... Um, the the very presence of their own characters to transport it into something else without ever being disrespectful hmm. to the original text. I just think it's an absolute Sam Eagle. Yeah, Sam he's Eagle. great. I've, I've always um, been a big fan of Sam the American Eagle. Love him. The Heckle, Heckles brothers as Marley and Marley. You know, if there's going to be. Don't you love a... the young versions of them, though? Yeah. Statler and Waldorf. And Statler and Waldorf. And, and the old version of, of Fozzie as well, towards the end with his, oh, with yeah, his yeah. Uh, the earpiece. Yeah. yeah. And Mum as well, because the other mm. Muppet Christmas one whose exact name is escaping me is all about where they go up to Fozzie's mum's cabin, isn't it? Yeah. And um, they have it as um, Foz, Fozzie Wiggs and Ma's Christmas party. Do you recognise young, Scro- uh, young Scrooge, the actor, from anything else? Oh. Because uh. when I see him... Um, yeah, I, but I did because I thought about that, and then I didn't look it up, so I well, never found I've out. I've just been rewatching. I, I always watch The Office and the extras around January time, just to get me through that miserable early month. But this time, yeah. I thought, you know what, The Office Christmas special. I'm going to watch them leading up to Christmas, so I watched them anyway. And then after that, I watch uh, extras, and in the second episode, maybe or f- first or second episode, um, it's one of the guys that Maggie sleeps with, and I won't do the whole quote. But when he came on, I started giggling because he's the guy that says, come on, love, you're like a dead horse. And then he says something disgusting. Do you remember that? that scene? Yeah, 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 vaguely. <laughs> but anyway, that's him. It's not very right. Disney. But he's quite a good young um, Michael Caine, actually. Yeah, you know, yeah, I thought he's, so. It's not outside the realms of possibility that that could be him. The nephew's in Lock, Stock and, and Two Smoking Barrels, isn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, do you know what? He's kind of, he's awful, isn't he? Yeah. I like him. That bit where the plane charades and he goes, oh, it's... Oh, I love goes, him in that bit. Oh, it, oh, it's too wonderful. Well, that's exactly <laughs> what it's meant to be. Like. I know it is, but you end up, like, thinking... Um, up, up, to that, up to that point, you should be, like, on his side and not Scrooge, but I'm on Scrooge's side at that point. I'm thinking, Scrooge's mind is on business, you know, doing mm. his job, and his nephew's just pestering him. I will say, though, in the um, office scene at the beginning, he's quite... Not full Cockney. But he's got a London accent. He's going, I believe that Christmas has done me good and will do me good. And I say, God bless it. And then when he goes to the Christmas party, he's suddenly got an, an Etonian accent going mm. on, hasn't he? He suddenly <laughs> goes very posh. And I actually, I like that they've cast Michael Caine 
because of his um, working class accent. And I think he's, he's softened it out a bit in this to be a little posher. Yeah, yeah. But the character of Scrooge is a very Dickensian character. He's not upper class. He is a bit of a grifter. You know, and I like that, and I like that about the nephew. So the fact that he does go a bit a bit posh in the parlour grates mm. on me a bit. I'm just jumping around all over the place here. I've not really... That's all right, do it, do it. Because yeah. I don't know what to talk about. Uh, but I, I think that's the thing about this. We know it so well, we can just talk, oh, do you remember that bit? Do you remember that bit? But um, something I'd never noticed before, uh, which I noticed when we watched it yesterday, was um, Gonzo whispers in Sam Eagle's ear... Um, I think, well, I think it's after the uh, American way or the British way. Uh, but after that bit, Gonzo ducks off and uh, Sam Eagle just kind of does a little look to the side and then goes, hmm. Yeah. And I like that because he's interacting with someone who's not there. It's, it's, just, it's just a really little funny moment where, yeah. um, where, where someone's sh- distracted. I'm sure there's some edited stuff there because I'm sure I've seen some scenes, from some bits from that scene uh, in cutscenes so it might be that, that there was something a bit more there before there's a song remember. there's a song uh, that's right there was I've, a song I've yeah. got the soundtrack it's like chairman or something it's like Ch- yeah. chairman of the board I think it's called something like that yeah, but actually I listened to the soundtrack yesterday yes right and it's you know it, you don't miss that song no, in this no uh, I wonder if maybe we should talk about a song that we do miss well I'm quite happy to talk about it because it does come under music, but it also, for me... Oh, no, you're right. Com- it does come under music, no, it, doesn't it? Well, well no, yes I and think, no. Because I think the edit the st- comes under story. Right, The yeah. story is massively affected, for me, mm. by um, the cutting of the song that you're talking about because you don't get to see um, Michael Caine giving it some proper good acting. Mm. And, you know, I, I watched the cut song because it's available on Disney. What's it called? Um... Uh, the love, when love is gone is that what it's called when mm-hmm. love is gone yeah. when love is found lost no, found when love is lost, lost. because it's lost. when love no, is found at the end it's when love is gone it's when love is gone right okay when love is gone when love is gone and yeah so, so the song is available then it's literally just lifted out they've yeah. just Katzenberger turned up one day and went eh, kids ain't gonna like that get rid of it mm. well, and that was it gone may um, I may I give you a few little facts to go along with this if you like yeah okay so in the theatrical release, yes, they'd edited it. And yes, it was because on test audiences, the kids were getting fidgety bottoms. Um, so that was the theatrical release. But Brian Henson insisted that it needed to go back in. So for the VHS releases, the Laserdisc releases and the original DVD releases, it was back in. And the intention... So the cinema release, it wasn't in then? Apparently not. Ah. Um, it, I wonder if it was in the UK. Are you sure it was on the first DVD? Yes. The very first DVD it was. Because then they would have copies of it. I had the VHS and I also had the DVD. But I could, couldn't say it was the first DVD, but I definitely bought it on DVD because... when it came out and, and it didn't have it on. Um, <laughs> the... So the intention was always to keep to keep it in then for release. But when they came to do a new digital copy of it, when they went to high def or whatever, mm. um, they couldn't find the original print of it. And therefore, the only print that they had was the one that they used for the VHS, etc., which was a lower quality. So now they didn't feel they were able to put it back in because the, the film quality would have been so much lower than the rest I, of the film. Are you sure, it on, are you sure it was on a DVD, though? Because it was on a DVD, they'd be able to get it off that. You know, I was under the there was an alternate version. I think the, the I'm sure the, the DVD I had had 
had like the the old version on there as well, but it wasn't the main release. Well, you of it, could do it as an option. I think so. Yeah, um, I seem to remember it being there. But the, I, I think it's the most recent ones when they've gone to they've done digitally remastered and whatnot mm. versions, and they can't put it back in. So I I, I know that you're going to struggle with this, and I agree. It is an appalling edit. It you even know it's meant to be there. Everyone's it's, mood suddenly changes. It's an appalling it's, edit. Yeah. It's, but it's I'm not gonna, it's, sorry, go on. But I'm going to judge it on the director's vision and Brian Henson wanted it in. I grew up watching it with it in because I had the VHS and as far as I'm concerned, it's still there. So I'm judging see, the, it as the, if it's there. The thing is, this is a Disney podcast and uh, Katzenberger <laughs> decided it went and it's gone. And And yes, it was there in VHS, but if you go and try and watch it anywhere now, you, you can't watch it that the way that it was intended anymore, and I think that's a real shame. It it's a difficult one for me because yeah, I I watch this film every Christmas. This this is my this is my Christmas Eve film. Mm-hmm. As you know, through my late teens into my late twenties, um, this every Christmas Eve I'd sit and watch this film, and that bit literally brings you to tears every single time you watch it. Not because it's particularly a great song, because it's not. Let's be honest. It's a good song. It's a good song. It, it gives some good exposi- exposition. Um, but the moment where where uh, Michael Caine walks up behind her and he can't touch her because he's not there mm. and he's just seeing this whole thing play out in front of him and there's nothing he can do about it. And it is heartbreaking. Mm. It is absolutely mm. heartbreaking. And mm. to take that out of the film loses so much of the heart and and it's just such a shame for me um and yeah the cut is terrible because you don't on, only because you don't understand why gonzo and rizzo were crying if they just got rid of that bit as well mm. then you would have accepted he's he's gone off that's fine done and i think it would have been a bit more acceptable but it feels like they've just not thought about how they've done it and so, also that's a big big part of his transformation because by the time the huge. first ghost goes and the second ghost comes, you've already got this sense that he's changed his mind. He's saying, I, I will, I will. I Take me wherever you want to take me. I'll listen to you. But from what they've left in, there doesn't quite seem to be enough content to make that transition. I I am not used to the version with that scene in. I only started watching this, um, I don't know, mid-noughties type of thing. Mm. Um, so I'm not used to it at all. And even knowing where the cut is, and even seeing that suddenly... Gonzo and Rizzo are crying. To me, it's fine. Uh, you describing that scenes, it sounds brilliant and it would be better for it, but because I've never really watched it that way, I don't feel it's missing anything. And uh, That's interesting. And like we watched it today and I, I was looking for the cuts and that, like thinking, you know, can you tell it's been cut? You can't tell it's been cut other than... No, no, it's just abrupt. Like, yeah, it's just an abrupt but, scene. But, um, yeah, I, I, other, other than you telling me this and it sounding good... I don't. I've never had a problem with it at all, and I think it's. This, and I think it still works enough to carry the story forward uh, and the character forward for me. I think. I think it's a difference to, to me. This is the difference, and and obviously I can't tell till you talk about this later on. But to me, this is the difference between if you were to give it uh, four teardrops or five teardrops, because this bit here is what pushes you emotionally. Oh, from yeah. what did with me pushes you emotionally over the edge with it, mm. and. It makes everything that happens beyond it that bit more emotional, and that mm. that's why it's missing. It, it it's something, Hugh, that if you're not used to, then I feel sorry for you. 
<laughs> I genuinely do feel sorry for you because this is a brilliant, brilliant film. Well, no, I, you know? I mean, I mean, <laughs> it sounds like I'm been defensive, but I'd say, well, I feel sorry for you because now your experience of mm. this You're is right. like, it's like um, you'll always see it through my, a mission, won't you? My favorite line in Hamilton is uh, in Battle of Yorktown. It's yeah. Hercules Mulligan's line when he says, "You knock me down, I get there, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Um, I'm aware that I'm doing what Disney are doing because we're on a we're doing a Disney podcast. But <laughs> Flip. No, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm bleeping it. But people go, "Oh, come on, it's just that one line," and they, they've bleeped it. What's the big deal? Get over it. I can't because that single line in that entire show is the cherry on the top of the cake. It's my favourite line, so I mm. won't watch that version. I refuse to. <laughs> Because I can't, I can't enjoy it without that line in its entirety. So I can see why this bothers you so much. Because it, I won't not watch that, that version. Though. I couldn't, I wouldn't not watch it because of it. Because it is a brilliant film. I'm not gonna. It it tarnishes my view of it a bit. But as far as I'm concerned, there are two versions, and I'm lucky enough yeah. to have spent a lot of time with that version. And yeah, every time I watch it now, when it gets to that bit, I go, I go oh. Mm. Yeah, but then the film finishes, and I go put on the extras, and I watch that song again because um, Michael Caine is brilliant in that number. Think he only so. sings a couple of lines. He's you've, brilliant. You've got the technology to literally. I know it's a bit of a little bit of a, yeah, pause, a, it. a faff, pause it. Watch the YouTube yeah video, and you know start again. Watch it on Disney Plus. Yeah, be absolutely fine. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> just, you're just, right. just do that. I mean, we've got the technology. It's just a mild inconvenience. Um, can I lighten the tone? Yeah. <laughs> it's the Penguins Christmas, Christmas party. skating party yeah. <laughs> that's a weird bit isn't it oh look <laughs> it's the Penguins Christmas skating party you're like oh is it <laughs> like, is that a known yeah, thing I love that because it's like a fully constructed world isn't it they do this every year we've never been to the Penguin Christmas skating party Ollie liked it it was, it, it was his main. It was Literally, his main. All he could remember. He was like, "Yes, there were yeah. some penguins." Um, I like. I don't have many niggles with this film, but one tiny niggle I might have doesn't really lessen my experience. Is the whoever the, the performer is inside the Ghost of Christmas Present? Mm. He's moving so much that I think he's overperforming, and you probably disagree with me there, but um, I liken it to, if you go, if you see a, a stage show in, in uh, Disney World, maybe not so much in Paris, but they move in a certain way that is mm. massively over the top, because, yeah. you know, they've been taught, you've got to gesture like that, because there are crowds, and, you know, there's people far away, but I think they're overperforming, and he, in this, is a bit too much for me. I love him. But Who's that? Sorry, the Ghost of Christmas Present. I'm oh, like, no, I, I, love that. I, I know you would, but I'm just like, just, just rein it in a little bit. Mm, no, no, I don't feel like that no. at all. And I, 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 I knew, I, I knew I, you'd I both disagree with that, but his, his movement kind of annoys me. Is what it's just. It makes me cringe a bit. That's what it is. I find it a little bit cringy. I think it's There's very something... true to the style of the larger Muppet and Sesame Street characters. Because he's obviously he's following a tradition here. They've got a company who do this, and that's how they all move. Mm. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, I I like subtlety in performances. Is what it is, and um... like Sweetums, do you know Sweetums, the big hairy. Yeah, but it's, it's like the uh, what the the ones in Fraggle Rock. Fraggle Rock, what are they yeah. called a Fraggle. Mm. Look more a Fraggle. That's this exactly that, isn't it? I, but I love it. I always think it's David Wood. That's that's how I always think of when I see him. <laughs> oh. Few more things with story then. Um, mm. The the little bunny. The, this is 
Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. But, I mean, he's cute and he gives us a laugh and he throws a wreath at him. Mm-hmm. But you, you're really enjoying watching the Muppets and having fun and you're in a, a, a musical comedy, as they would call it. And then just at the end of that number, they pan down and he's shivering in his newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really just... What song is that? Is that the closing up for Christmas one that Kermit yeah, sings? Yeah. One more sleep till Christmas. Yeah. Um, it, it's a really subtle way of just keeping that message there without showing you anything too harrowing. Mm. Bonnie really understood it. She locked in on that moment. That is a gorgeous moment. And then that doubles back to the end. Um, I mean, that calling at the boy from the window is a thing from the book, but I don't think it's a callback in the book. I think it's a brand new character. So to mm. then have that same character at the end with the goose and him giving him money, it's a real redemption redemption story for everyone. <laughs> to, this, to, to this day, if one of us coughs yeah. at, like, at the end of a sentence <laughs> or mid-sentence, the other one will always go, the goose, the goose. <laughs> <laughs> we do it all the time, don't we? Yeah. The goose. Here's a question for you. Do you ever find it a little bit strange when they use animals that are the same animals as core Muppets characters as other characters and they don't look quite the same? Like, for instance, the, the Cratchit kids and... The frog who sings, he must be so, he must be so bad. Because there's just something weird because you're looking at it going, well, that's Kermit, but it's not Kermit. It's yeah. not Kermit, but it is oh, Kermit, but it's not. Oh, I see. I thought you were going to say it differently, as in there's like, there's there's sheep and horses being sheep and horses. Oh, well, yeah, there is that. But can talk. <laughs> I can um, live with that, though. Okay. That, that's the Muppet well, world. Pluto and Goofy. Yeah, they're eating geese. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> uh Oh, what's going to say as well about uh, what I said earlier about having that device of Gonzo being Dickens and and then being able to add um, humour. Well, it's the same thing for uh, when they need to be no humour goes to Christmas future. Mm -hmm. um, They can literally just say to the audience, we'll see you at the finale. We'll meet you at the finale. And it's just a neat, really neat way of going, right, let's get serious for a minute, guys. Let's, Let's get those guys out of the way. Brilliant. So nice. Somebody's gonna die. Yeah. Oh. 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 I'm out of my notes for the story. Uh, it's true. I could enthuse about every individual line. I could go through the screenplay with you and tell you why every single line is an act of genius. But that would take too long. So I think I'm done with the story as well. Any anything else, Chris? Before we score it. No. No, let's score it. I just want to double back to what I said when I was doing my facts about Jerry Jewell. Is mm-hmm. it Jerry? <clears throat> yeah, Jerry Jewell. Mm-hmm. Um, in that this, the screenplay, the writing of this would not have been as good if it wasn't a Muppet writer. A Muppet writer who knew those... I mean, I don't think of them as socks with people's hands up them. I think that they're pe- people in their own right. He knows these characters and he knows these performers and he knows their sense of humour and what they can and can't do and who would do what. And um, I think that is the key to it, that it is a Muppet writer writing it. This was the last great Muppet film. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been anything to equal this since. Um, so I, I completely agree with you. Completely and utterly agree with you. True story. Go on then, who's going first? I want to open the bidding. Um, if I may. Yeah. Uh, Go. It's the perfect adaptation 
of a classic, which in itself is already one of the greatest stories ever told, uh, rivaled only by uh, Mickey's version, um, which we'll probably cover next year, maybe. Who knows? Mm. Um, look, it's pure joy in a cup. I snuck a look at Lucy during uh, One More Sleep, and she looked utterly content. <laughs> it's a ten. Christopher? It's what, nearly nearly 30 years old? 28, 29 years old, something like that? Yeah. And I would say I have watched this film at least, or, well, more than once every one of those years. I absolutely adore this film. I mean, I genuinely just love it. It's everything about Christmas for me. And like you say, it's a great adaptation. I love the Muppets as well. And it is a great Muppets film. Um, I just, there's just an utterly brilliant film. It has to be a 10. I don't care about the fact that that song, uh, you know, there's problems with that. I can't let that affect my judgment. As I said before, I've been lucky once. I did see well, it. I mean, its, you its... could judge it on the fact that, that that's the version that Well, I wouldn't take a point away for it not being there. Yeah. I just I just think it's, it's two different films and they both get a 10. Mm-hmm. I was so glad you did, Chris, and I've not got nothing to add. I'm just going to say <clears> 10. And I'm just sad it can't be an 11. Boom. Across the board. Right, guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting tingles. Oh, no, we're not. <laughs> I was going to say I'm getting tingles just you, just going Thinking into the music. the music. But we're not on music. We're on uh, visual <laughs> effects, aren't we? Look at the animation you, the characterization you. And don't forget the background and the style. Yeah, man. Visual effects, art design, photography, direction. Can I just say, because it's so hard to know when we're not doing animated features yeah quite how to break things down so i'm going to take stuff what you look at everything you yeah, see director of photography and the ang- the the shots they choose now i know some of it is um necessary because they've got this weird situation with people's hands sticking up characters bums mm-hmm. um but it's not just that it's the fact that the the te- low angles and the tech tilted angles and the, uh, to get the shots of these um, the courtyard outside Scrooge's house, attack from this weird, quirky ankle, angle. And then there's another shot, the one where he jumps off the fence and then goes back through for his be- um, jelly beans. It's a perfectly symmetrical shot and he just jumps down in front of it. And every single artistic choice that's been made as far as angles and things is just brilliant it's not bog standard it is brilliant and to say that this is brian henson's first directing job after his dad passed away it's it's mesmerizing how talented he is absolutely mesmerizing this is an art form it's and it's as an art form it is equally as impressive as any golden era animation as any mm. pixar animation you know there's a reason disney wanted to be in bed with these guys you know this, because this this film at, at its time was a culmination of everything that's gone before it from the muppet show from you know uh, the the muppets films fraggle rock uh, sesame street labyrinth all, all these different things that have come before because when you talk about visual dark effects, Dark Crystal, <laughs> Star Wars, you know, the involvement yeah. of, of mm. and, you know, in, in Star Wars as well. It, it's it's an art form and, and the, the it's, the there's no, nothing comes close. Nobody has equaled what they do 
They, and and in fact, when you think about what CGI's brought to the game, we miss a lot of this stuff now. I think mm. we we don't get the the, the effect these these you know real things tangible things anymore and it's a shame well, we watched... I was watching um, Man- sorry I was watching Mandalorian uh, first episode of the new series the other day and he goes into um, the, the, an arena where there's a fight taking place and he's talking to this CGI character and it's just the most CGI thing I've ever seen mm. in my life you can just look at it and say it isn't there if it's not there what the hell's the point and yet they, they have this opportunity to have something there a puppet there which would have made it infinitely better it's we watched a, a making of documentary on YouTube after we watched the film today, and it was talking about the um, Hugh's favourite song, "To Be Jolly and Joyous." The, the Christmas me. scat. The Christmas scat, and it said it took ten puppeteers to do it because there was um, somebody rolling the log. If you look at the floor there, it's sort of a rolling mm-hmm. thing, and then there was people doing the, the legs, the barrel, the ground, the, the barrel. Yeah. 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 Um, there was people doing the legs. There was people supporting the body. There was the usual puppeteers sort of doing the head. Um, they had Robin on the shoulders. They had someone doing Robin's thing. And Cl- said it, clothes. Someone was animated. So, was, yeah, um, someone was flapping his puppeteering coat. clothes. <laughs> um, so it took ten puppeteers to do that. Um, the ground was real, but then it was against a green screen. And other than the fact that the green screen... And it was obviously it's a real noticeable background. At, at a couple of points in that bit that there's a green screen there, but it never oh. bothered me, but it is noticeable. It only just... Um, but it's a photographed background of a real set. Yeah, it's yeah. not a CGI background. And it, it was really done. And nowadays, why would you bother? Why would you go to that effort? You know what I mean? It's mm. laughable that they would even try, but I love them for doing it. Just, uh, just going back, so I, I didn't add anything to what you guys said, but I didn't um, notice how well directed it was until we watched it the last time yesterday mm. uh, and shot. I just wanted to add that to, mm. to back you both up, but I'd never like watched it in that way, and I thought this is a really well made uh, film. Like even the bit where I was, I was in particular, I was watching the bit where, where I thought, right, he's clinging on to the Ghost of Christmas Presents cloak. How do they cut yeah. this? And the way he just drops, and then they cut it, and then he drops again with his bedclothes. So, so nicely done. So simple. Nothing showy. No. Just, just great. I think you can tell as well when a movie director's got a really, really close um, working relationship with a storyboard artist. You can mm. often tell it in uh, comic book films because they, they take a lot of the panels and they take inspiration from that. But you could see that this had all been drawn out. It wasn't somebody standing there with a the camera going, uh, where should we put this camera? What do you think? You could tell it had been drawn out beforehand with a lot of these shots. Oh, it's mm. gorgeous. It's gorgeous. But I think if we're talking about art and things, let's talk about the costuming of these, these yeah. puppets, the bits of rag, basically, aren't they? And they have been costumed. And I'm not a historical you know, clothier or anything, but I'm going to say they are pretty accurate 19th century clothes put on Muppets. They haven't joked about it at all. You know, they could have been ridiculous, but they haven't. No, it's very authentic. Um, I do have to say, though, Lucy, you've mentioned a couple of times now about puppets and hands up them and stuff, and the Muppets are real. Um, I, I won't have you talk about them in any other way. The, the Muppets, no, they exist, to be they honest, are real. Uh, the uh, Jim Henson's thing was always that he would 
talk mm. about them as no as puppets <laughs> he was no, very really. he's he very open about it you know <laughs> like like he, he used to go on tv with kermit literally you could see his arm up him <laughs> so well, but, we, but but uh more to your point chris uh michael Caine was saying like he, you know he never looked at the actors he always at, like, the, at the muppeteers like, if, yeah, if, yeah. If, if he forgot they were there and he always t- like looked at the uh the muppets well this making of documentary we did uh we, we did we watched um they were showing some sort of outtakes and when something went wrong or something happened on the set or someone forgot a line it would they would go wrong via the Muppet, if that makes sense. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you'd see the the wide shot, you'd see the human directing Gonzo, and then something would drop, and he'd make Gonzo's head go down and look at it, at the thing that had dropped, and then he'd turn, and it's yeah. so they can't you, disconnect themselves, can they? You see that in uh, they used to be. I've seen loads and loads of outtakes from. Um, Muppets tonight, and that—that's exactly the same thing. They don't stop. They just yeah. when they're yeah. doing, it, they don't stop. They're so heavily involved in those characters and the improvisation of what's going on and stuff. It's just they're, a, they're just clever people. I was watching John Denver and the Muppets doing Twelve Days of oh, Christmas, yeah. and w- when uh, Fozzy says like his line for the second time, there's a pause, and then he goes, "Oh," and it looks like he's genuinely forgotten it. Now I don't know because it. It looks it, like it goes so. It seems to go so wrong. But then, either that was intentional and I just fell for it, or um, I'm assuming it's Frank Oz uh, just decided, right, I'm going to have to go with this now to cover it up. So every time <laughs> yeah, he gets yeah. to his go, he gets it a bit less wrong each time until he starts getting it right, and then he's like, yeah, 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 I did it. Uh, and I, I, I can't work out if it's intentional or it's very or, musical. Or, like it'd, be, that. it'd be even better if he got it wrong. And he made up for it by thinking, right, quickly, how do I make it look deliberate? Yeah, yeah. I just don't know. I'd have to ask him. Mm. I mean, these are these are very, very clever people with a very yeah. particular mind. Improv. It, it's mm. not just improv, though, is it? It's, it? I suppose it's almost like surrendering, surrendering yourself to something else, isn't it, when you're doing that kind of work? Yeah. Uh, and being yeah. able to think beyond your own body in that way. It's a very particular talent, and I have full respect for them. Mm. That opening, by the way, that yeah. opening, yeah, is just it's just stunning. And not only that, at that at, as soon as you see those rooftops, you you're immediately seeing the level of detail that they've gone into in creating this world, and it is just stunning to look at. Uh, and it doesn't stop it, like like you said, Hugh. It, it just it holds up the whole way through this film. It it, it is visually beautiful to look at, and you're completely taken in for the entire time. And it was built. And, yeah, and and the CG yeah. effects they do have, like the swirling of the uh, ghost yeah. of the Christmas future, the, his swirl. I mean, that's just by today's standards, that's a bit of a nothing effect. But uh, if it would have been anything more than that, it might have you know taken away from it. It's just it's yeah, just it a cool done, yeah. swirling effect. I thought that I thought that the ghost of Christmas uh, past was CG. I assume she was CG. Um, and I thought, oh, that's quite good early CG, is that? And then I found out she was just filmed underwater. Is that right? I, yeah. I, did, I, I knew it wasn't CG, but I didn't know it was filmed underwater. That's and she interesting. Was, she was actually, uh, they were going to do it in baby oil, but they couldn't keep it clean. So they did they did the first shot. Well, not the, the first shot, but they did a shot in baby oil and then decided mm. we'll do the rest in water. And she just right. lasted long enough because she was starting to come apart in the water. Uh, she just <laughs> lasted long enough and they got what they needed. Oh, cool. But yeah. That's very cool. Hmm. Anything else? 
No, not really. I mean, like any 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 visual effects like that are just subtly done, you know. Yeah. I wonder. Hugh's already Decent. said um, about the like the transitions with the the cloak and the um, to to get around the problems of the medium they're working in. There's so many very subtle things of a character passing in front of a camera. Um, clearly, so they can cut a shot, so they can work with the. The constraints. I don't want to talk about it anymore, mm. Chris, because you told me off. But you know, the, <laughs> just the um, if you're really, really looking for it, the the way that um, scenes cut and link and transition are extremely clever. Um, yeah. But again, could go on forever. Should we mark it, Chris? Would you? Yeah. Would you do the honors, Chris? Yeah, it, it's visually stunning. It's artistic. It's beautiful, um, and I can't possibly give it anything but a ten. I have to give it a ten. Ten. Faultless, and it, it every uh, screenshot from this film stirs something in me. Every mm-hmm. single one. Ten. I'm already getting emotional, guys. Ten. <laughs> it's a ten. It's just, just. It's great, and it's got Muppets in it. You've got, you got Muppets to look at. It's ten. Can I just say, while we're on this, you know, what it means to you thing, um, when, in the early days of our relationship, we got together when we were kids, me and Huey was 19, I was 18, um, I went round his parents' house. She was 17. I was, I was only 17 for a week. For a week, for a yeah. Week. Then I turned right. 18. <laughs> um, so we... That Christmas, we went. I went round his parents' house and we, we put this on and we sat on the sofa and his dad walked in and went, what are you watching? Oh, Muppets. You're a bit old for Muppets. No, I didn't say that, did he? He did, yeah. And then that was it. And then, because he's very obeying his Hugh's dad, he just disappeared to make some tea in the other room. And it, <laughs> I've never met anyone who didn't like the Muppets. Even my dad likes the Muppets. I don't think he dislikes the Muppets. I just think he was, I just think he was ch- trying to... You know that thing where... You, you're becoming an adult and you've got a girl yeah. around, so he's trying to sort of reinstate <laughs> his, like, authority by putting me down, maybe. Yeah. I think it was just a subtle, it, a subtle version of it. It wasn't an, unfriend, <laughs> an unfriendly thing, because his dad's not an unfriendly guy at no. all. He, would, he just came in and went, oh, Muppets. No. Uh, do you know what? Do you know and what? I've never met anyone no. who doesn't like Muppets. <laughs> yeah, I just don't think he had anything else to say other than that. Okay. I don't think it was a... Yeah. Mm. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Right, come on then. Music. Yeah. We are going to talk about the music. Rate the songs and score the Well, well, there's some barnstormers in there, isn't there? In the door. May I just very quickly um, interject? There is a, a Vox video. If you ever watch any Vox videos on YouTube, they're a very good sort of educational channel. And they actually did a video on what makes this the most Christmassy card ever. And it's been a while since I've watched it. I don't want to embarrass myself by telling you. But go ahead and watch it because it basically describes um, Muppet Christmas Carol. Because can uh-huh. you at all times sort of um, put your finger on why this is Christmassy music? But every single one of these songs yeah, has I think got it's, a Christmas sound. I think it's the Salvation Army type horns. Yes. That, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, and right from the start as well. So again... <laughs> Talk about this opening constantly, but French horn. you're yeah. straight in with that French horn. It's just there you go, you're there straight away. Yeah, that. Sorry, yeah, that. <laughs> you get the you get the tingle bells already, don't you? As soon as that comes tingle in, you bells. get that warm feeling. You're like, oh yes. Yeah, but there's something about that key. 
those intervals that's Christmassy. And then the bells. I believe in Santa. A bit of good King Wenceslas as well in the opening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just for good measure. So let's go through them, shall we? The first major one is There Goes Mr. Humbug. Not quite as good as the rendition as Chris did, to be fair. Oh, yeah, I've got the I'll play it in the underscore, eh, shall I? I'll just underscore it so it's not getting in the way. Um, right, you know I'm a lyrics person. You know from the Menkin days that I'm a lyrics person. Sorry, the Howard Ashman days um, that I'm a lyrics person. If you listen to the lyrics in this, the rhymes, it paints you with indifference like a lady paints with rouge. But the worst of the worst, the most hated and cursed, is the one that they call Scrooge. The rhymes, Chris. The rhymes, Hugh. The, the play on words. It's wordsmithery of the highest order. I'm assuming he's taking into account some of Dickens' words as well, and the, but then adding rhymes. Uh, I don't At think that is. It maybe he Sorry. is, but I don't think that particular rhyme is. When a cold wind blows, it chills you, chills you to the bone. Yeah, no, but the, the example you gave about the, the rose... The Rouge. The Rouge. Rouge. It, I, no, I wouldn't have thought that I was I don't a, think so, because it's rhyming with Scrooge. So, no. no, 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 no. That's what I said. That, uh, is he taking some of his words and then adding rhymes to them? I don't Maybe. know. Maybe. Maybe. He um he wrote uh, the music for Bugsy Malone, didn't he? Oh, that's good music as well. Yes. Mm. And is that very Dis- stylized. Is that Disney by any chance? Can we review it? No. <laughs> um, I like... A, I like a composer who can uh, uh, immerse himself in a style and the 1930s, 20s, 30s, the 1930s style of Bugsy Malone mm. is perfect and this, the eight, 19th century Christmas style of this is perfect. Mm-hmm. I like in that song, uh, A good man inside. Nah. Yeah. And then that one is slightly <laughs> off time. <laughs> well, to be, to be able to put in the little joke, the Muppet-specific jokes, like the vegetables singing, and then no cheese as far as Mises, and Pizza, things like that. Pizza, some cheese. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it, it's just genius. And this mm. is without me talking melody. I'm just talking lyrics and gags here. They are mm. just thick and fast and perfect. And the scanning on the words as well. Because of Hugh's job, he deals with a lot of poetry in the cards, and you're always on about scanning, aren't you? Well, yes, and even... Should I get... No, I can't be too specific about people's writing styles. Um, Needless to say, scanning isn't easy, and some people can't do it even if it's their job. (laughs) (laughs) Scanning is like... It's a real, like... It's you the, know who you it's are. The rhythm, <laughs> yeah. It's the rhythm yeah, of words. But, but some people just don't get it. It's like, you no, know, some people, know, some people can't do harmonies. They go, I can't do harmonies. I'm just not that kind of person. Some people just I, can't do scanning. Uh, yeah, it, that, it, there's rhymes. nothing more frustrating than when someone shares a poetic meme and it doesn't scan. It's actually a pet peeve of mine. Yeah. I really, 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 well, really, really hate you, it. I'll tell you who's good. Dr. Seuss is immaculate, and uh, we've been reading uh, Roald Dahl's Revolting Rhymes again, oh, yeah. and I, I didn't know his scanning is perfect. Um, there you are. You'll have spent many years, as we have, reading uh, picture books to toddlers at bedtime, mm-hmm. and most of them are rhyming books. 
and the numbers of them that just the right the really famous <gasps> books, but the rhymes yeah, the, so bad they, the, they scan go, so badly. Yeah, no, that's not. That's, it should be today, today, today. No. <laughs> ah, well, well, you see, what I do with those because I get so frustrated with them is that I read them for punctuation instead of lines, mm. and they therefore almost eliminate the the um, the rhyming out of it altogether yeah. and just read it because I get really frustrated with those mm. kind of books. They really, really annoy me. Anyway, sorry, I was just confused. <laughs> everything about it's immaculate in this one. One more sleep mm. till Christmas. Yeah. Oh. Mm. I mean, I just love the sentiment of that song. I mean, the first word is there's magic in the air. There's magic in the air. That, but, like, the, just the, the idea, uh, it's a Christmas Eve song. There aren't many of those, are there? Yeah. One more sleep till Christmas. Now, at the moment, like, at the moment, but these days, uh, people have replaced the word days with sleeps, which is kind of annoying. But this mm. is one of the first ones, so it's magical. One more sleep till Christmas. I wonder if that kicked it off. Maybe. You know, people this, say, oh, this three song more is... sleeps till Benidorm. <laughs> this song is, is me... Uh, sat in, uh, lying in my bed uh, uh, when, when I was still living with my parents lying in my bed with my vi- video up on the wall in front of me um, I've slotted that video in and I'm tucked up all nice and warm on Christmas Eve watching it and it just that it, that's how it makes me feel mm. this song and the, yes the beginning of the film kind of kicks it off with that with that opening but this is when I'm just suckered in every time just love it yeah and uh the the visual gags that are going on with the um the rats. I know that we're going back to visuals here, but it's it's such a calm song, but there's there's nothing dull about it for a second. It just keeps moving forwards. And mm-hmm. then that's where you get the shivering bunny and that lovely last Christmas Day. The, the fact that it says day at the end of that leads me to believe that at the end of uh, it feels like Christmas. Like I always think it's gonna go it feels like Christmas Day. Day. <laughs> but I'm thinking of that one instead. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Marley and Marley. Now, Lucy, Lucy loves this because she likes the way Waldorf, he does a little set, step to the side and he holds his arm out <laughs> when it's Statler's yes. turn to sing and he does it both yeah. times. And I, pr- I, 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 I lol, I belly laugh every time. And like you, I must have seen this. If it's 28 years, I've seen it 28 times minimum. He's got his legs and apart. I still go... <laughs> He's got his legs <laughs> apart in a squat. <laughs> I, I love it's it like, because it is just like... They do these little struts to the side like that, like what we're doing. I just absolutely love it. It's full on Amdram dance routine, isn't it? Is. it? Yeah. That, I said that today. Beautiful. I said, do you realise someone choreographed this? Like they yeah. actually, someone said three steps to the left. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. I love it. Uh, oh yeah, I, I love that song. Oh, um, the, the bit I like in it as well is, um, you know, when the music stops for a bit, when it mm. goes, uh, you know, they're like, you'll be visited tonight. By three ghosts. And then the music starts again afterwards. That bit where they stop the music and he starts saying that, it's really mm. dramatic. And I go, ooh. It makes you nectar, but it does make my nectar. It really does. It's really yeah, exciting. Yeah. They get away with something in this particular song that nobody but the Muppets could get away with. And that is a song <laughs> sung by ghosts where one of the lyrics is, Whoa, yeah. Marley and Marley. Whoa, you know, no other medium could do that. I can never decide if they're saying chains or change. I think it's change. Isn't at the it? very end, at the end, change. It's change at the but end. It, but it could very easily be chains. Mm. Yes, 
but it's not. I thought it was chained. Oh, I think. It's, oh, yeah, I think it's change. It's like just change. I think mate. change sounds like yeah, just change. Change. Yeah, yeah. with a little. I like that. I hope it is. Teddy bears. I like that. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Oh. It feels like Christmas. It, it does, doesn't it? It really that's, does feel like Christmas. That's when you rub your hands together and you're like, oh, yes. Yeah. I love this hang one. on, hang on, hang on. You've missed one out. Uh, when love is gone. Well, that's because I don't know it. I know we've already spoken about it, but I deliberately didn't say something when we're on about it being omitted. Mm-hmm. Is the, the actress is a very, very successful musical theatre actress and she's played Eponine in Les Mis and... Um, who is it in Sunset Boulevard, the younger girl, not the... Mm. Yeah, Sally, I think it is. She's played all these big parts, and so she must have been cast for her ability to sing, and she's got a beautiful voice. And then Scrooge doesn't, which I think is so apt, because I, I do oh. not need... No, I've we've said this to each other before, Chris. I don't need my musical theatre performers to be able to sing. I need them to be able to perform with character. Yeah. And Scrooge... Ebenezer Scrooge would not be able to sing. He wouldn't have a chance. He starts crying in it, though. Yeah. He's like, literally, he's go- And uh, what, what is it? He sings, um, Yes, some dreams come true. And yes, some dreams fall through. Uh, yeah, his <laughs> voice is cracking and, yeah. It's just, it's, it's lovely because she's just singing this song it- to young, well, uh, uh, for younger Scrooge. And she's not aware that he's there because he isn't. And he, he stood behind her just taking all... I've said all this already. Yeah. He's, he's just taking it all in and, and it's heartbreaking. It's just beautiful. It's, the, the melody of this song is like a sigh. It's like an outward mm. sigh all the time. It was almost love. It was almost always... It's just constantly sighing. If you just listen mm. again, you breathe in and you breathe out. And that's what it's like. Beautiful song. Right. Feels like Christmas. Uh, it does, doesn't yeah, it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've not much to say about it, but I just, I just love the lines, you know. It's in the singing yeah. of a street corner choir. It's going home getting warm by the fire. It's true. Wherever you find love, it feels like Christmas. Can I just say, he's got a troop of dancers behind him. Or in the street scene, there is a troop of dancers. Yeah. And all they do for the entire number is Chenet turn. Just watch the next time. They just rap, rapid turn constantly. She kept saying it. Oh, another Chenet turn. Again. They're doing it again. They'll be doing the but next You're not watching thing. it, though. They'll be doing you're it. not really watching I'm it, are you? I'm watching it. Your, your attention's in the foreground. I'm watching it. They just, they just <laughs> spin constantly. They're at it again, another one. The men are doing it now. Sorry, continue. No. Christmas scat. I mean, yeah, it's nice. That was one of your top five songs, wasn't top it? Top five songs. Christmas. Yeah. Uh, sorry, top five Disney songs of all time. Uh, yeah. And it's so short, and it just gives you a little taste, and you want more of it. Bing, bong, bing, bong, 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 bong. I really want you and Bonnie to learn that and rehearse it and be able to do it because <laughs> she's quite musical, and obviously but, you could. But I mean, just you get like tw- I don't know, is it twenty five seconds or something? And uh, yeah, but also, like you've not just got that. It's, it's a really iconic image of a full bodied Kermit walking down the street with Robin on his shoulder. Hmm. I mean, that's the front cover in a lot it's of just, places, isn't it? Yeah, it's joy on a stick. Mm. Yeah, it really is. Uh, God bless us all. Is the worst song in the film? Do you think so? As in, from yeah, a, from a not, musical perspective, bad about it, but it's just the worst song in the film. Ah, oh, Bonnie got on my knee and she went, "This is a lovely song, Mummy." And then she's going, "I love my family. I love Christmas. I love my family." She's going, "This is the point where I start booing, like oh, yeah. properly booing." <laughs> this is the the lump is in the throat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aside yeah, from yeah. the tennis ball, this this, and then when Tiny Tim coughs at the end, I'm dead. <laughs> 
do you know what what I will say with this is without when love is gone there it stands up better does yes. this song because there there is a there's a thread through all the music in this film isn't there mm-hmm. you know the similarities from one song to the next is yeah. there's there's a definite thread throughout it and with the other slow song in there i will you know, to, to to its credit to credit katzenberger for taking it out um this comes not very long after it, like five minutes after it, mm. and it's very similar pace, and it's actually a very similar tone of song, and and so it does stand up better without the other song in there. But I've never liked it particularly because I've always really liked the other one. Right. So there you go. And but it's not that it's a bad song. It's not the fact that it's a family song and the way that the Muppets mm. themselves relate to each other. So oh, just it, it makes me go. It makes me go. It go is. On. It is lovely. Carry on, Hugh. Well, then you got a bit of the gap, and then it's uh, with a thankful heart, which goes into when love is found. Again, I go back to what I say about not needing my musical theatre people to be able to sing. It's Rex Harrison couldn't sing. You know, it's it's spot on. Yeah, and he's not bad. He's uh, just you know, he's, no, he's not. No, no, no. He's perfectly fine, but he's uh, he's he's got more character than he's got skill in his voice. If Alfie Burr suddenly, you know, started dubbing for him, it, <laughs> Alfie Burr, hello, I'm Alfie Burr, I'm Alfie Burr, hello. Yeah, there's a nice bit in the That's background good. of this as well, where where a muppet falls off a ladder. <laughs> it's just so nicely choreographed, like they're sort of moving out the scene, and just as just before it cuts in the shop, <laughs> muppet just goes. Ah! <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then in the credits you've got uh, you've got a, a reprise of one well, I can't remember what, um, but then you've also got an awful version of something. You've got an awful version <laughs> of love when, is gone, when love it? is gone, but it's such a shame because if you don't know the original and that's what you hear of that song, it is horrendous. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just so it's just, overperformed. It's just your classic Disney nineties mm. uh, ballad in the sparsely Fodder. orchestrated ballad in the credits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the music. There we are. Well, then wow. you've got all your orchestrations as well. Oh, I mean, think about. No, I, I like. Um... That's the bit I was trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, it's great, isn't it? There's a lot of jingle bells in this. A lot of jingle bells going on hither and thither. Mm. Yes, I ju- again, we could go on for hours, couldn't we? Shall we score it? Shall I go Go on, first? Lucy, go, go, go. Well, I'm going to give it a three. I'm kidding. <laughs> going to give it a ten. Oh, crap. <laughs> uh, it's ten. Ten for me. Memorable, beautiful, classic. Chris, there's what no kind apology. Of a Disney? Say it how you feel it. And also, judge it how Brian Hens- Henson intended it to be. What kind of a... Uh, Disney podcast would we be if a stupid film with puppets got a hundred percent score <laughs> and sat proudly at the top of our classics list above things like Bambi and Snow White, and for that reason and that reason alone, I'm giving it. Yes. <laughs> not though because this is how I feel this is how I feel well do you know what for the first time ever I've not had to quickly count them up <laughs> I've got one more film in the future that I think might do this I, I think we do need to uh, just just to stress for anyone who's not been keeping track that is a hundred mm. yeah we've just given the perfect score yeah 
kids included. Yep. And what was the current top of the charts before now? Was it still Bambi at something like 94? No, no it wasn't Bambi. Ooh, no, what was it? it? It's 92 or 93. And uh, Bambi it's... got 90. Mary, is it Mary Poppins and something else. Frozen 2 got 91. Look. The Little Mermaid got 92. Beauty... Little Mermaid and Mary Poppins, is it? Yeah. There's two, there's two joint top. Well, there were. There were, because they're not anymore. <laughs> They've been blown out of the water. I think that's it. I think God. it's, uh, yeah, those two. There we are. I'm, I'm, I'm not apologetic about it either. I think, damn no. right, I think it deserves every single one of those marks. And I don't think this will ever be replicated. I can never say, I wish, I wish the Muppets would do something else like that, because I think that's what happened with Treasure Island. And while Treasure Island's good... It's so nice to write 100 on the list <laughs> there. I, I have waited my entire life to give the Muppets the recognition that they absolutely deserve mm-hmm. from and my childhood. And you know childhood. what? They've so been I, waiting I'm... their whole life for us to give it to them, Chris. Precisely. I've got a couple of quick fave bits to, to get through. Yeah, go for um, it. Heatwave! This is my <laughs> island in, in the sun. The sun. <laughs> I love a bit. It's very funny. Um, yeah. When Gonzo says, expect the first ghost when the bell tolls one, and his jacket blows and his voice echoes. <laughs> so exciting. It properly cracks as well, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing about this. You can get real, like, exciting moments with Muppets. Can yeah. I give my... What, I, what if I was doing teardrops, would be my teardrop. Mm. Beaker giving him the scarf. Mm. Oh. oh, yeah. Mm. Well, have you got any favourite favorite bits, guys? Aren't you? Well, that's you that's to, it. You want to add? Beaker giving... Oh, I've got hundreds. Hundreds. Uh, I will go for what my quote was at the beginning with... Mm. Um, ain't, ain't even broken his concentration. He ain't hurt. Didn't even break his concentration. And then Gonzo just looks at him and goes, what? Like that. <laughs> I, I just love it. I, I like it. Then this is a horrible thing to like because actually this is probably a reason not to give it 100. But I I like the acting of the, the young Scrooge when he's going, yes, my headmaster. <laughs> yeah. No, headmaster. Oh. Because it is utterly terrible. It is. But it just works. He's, he, it just works so incredibly well. He's looking at him like really like in the corner of his eye. And he's he's not quite he's a bit awkward in himself, isn't he? And there's there's, yeah. there's moments on TV every now and again where I'll catch an actor like just like their eyes will dart to the side and it'll make me think of that kid every time. <laughs> that that recordery music or whatever well, I can't even think what it is, but the 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 little um t- pin, penny whistle type music in that mm. little um scene there, by the way, is brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Uh, cry Factor? Go on then. It's <laughs> absolutely beautiful. He really loves it. I don't know why they just can't be together. <laughs> Hugh's Cry Factor. Like a bit of Cry Factor. Right, I get up to a three when the, the family of mice are on in the first five minutes. You mm. know, all huddled together in that little hole in the wall. I get up to a four when Scrooge is being asked if he remembers that meeting with him and Belle. You know, and he's like, of course I remember. And when Beaker gives Scrooge that little scarf. Um, oh, and when he leaves the little buckets of coal at the end for his workers. <laughs> for I'm rats, like, oh. yeah. But seeing Tiny Tim's crutch next to the fireplace, it's just one of the most heartbreaking images in cinema history. I'm getting choked up right now. Um... So I'm going to move on. Um, then when love is uh, the, the love we found comes on at the end and everyone's singing, 
That's what it's called, isn't it? Is it called The Love We yeah. Found? Not When Love Is Found? The Love We the Found. Love we found. Yeah. The Love We Found, yeah. And everyone's singing and the, the voices build. It's a full-on, don't look at me, I'm ugly crying, five teardrops that goes like this. Very good. Very good. Bravo. Best ever as well. I, it's, it really is a full I even then. did a slightly longer one at the end as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 100 points plus five teardrops. That's oh. just reminds me. I know we need to stop talking about it now, but... It's, the, a, it's a perfect film. When Tiny Tim yeah. has died and, and Kermit says, I've, I've picked a spot where he can see, and then he stops himself and goes, it, it's overlooking the river. And he you goes, know, he doesn't want... Oh. Tiny Tim... And he goes, oh, he goes... I'm going... No, no, no. He, he, he starts and he goes, Tiny Tim always... And then she picks Tiny up... Tim Tiny Tim always, always loved. <laughs> oh, Tiny yeah. Tim. I can't... My me, me eyes... Me eye, I've got onions in my eyes. I had to quickly pretend, because I get the recorder to record Bonnie's bit straight after we watched it so it's fresh. And I was like, right, I'll just go get the recorder. Oh, I wondered why you went off so quick. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was really abrupt. I was like... Oh, I've oh, 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 just got to go. <laughs> Right. Oh no. And we ju- just just very quickly yeah. before you do that. We I don't know if you've watched it or not, but we watched Noel the other day, the new <laughs> Disney no, film that's it. on Disney Plus. Um and I think it is a, a new good oh. Christmas film, like first good Christmas film I've seen well, in quite a while. I think it might be. I want you to tell me otherwise. We've but... hardly got anything left on there to watch, so it is queued up to be watched very soon. <laughs> it was very good. I very much enjoyed it. Well, since it's Christmas We've mm. got some gifts to exchange, haven't we? But this is quite yes. a long podcast, so we'll, we'll, we'll have to be quite brief with it. I think that's all right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good. It's, it's Christmas, isn't it? Shall I go first? I've got one go for on, Chris here, because then we can go rain, fletch rain. Do we read the messages out, or are they for us? Yeah, read them out. Go on, you can if you want. They're a bit corny, so don't read them out if you don't want to. Yeah, I've already had sweaty eyes from doing uh, Muppets. This isn't going to be overly <laughs> feeling, is it? To Lucy... Thanks for an awesome year of podcasting. It may not have been the year we all planned, but it's been great catching up with you every week and talking nonsense about mice and that. Lots of love, Chris, Laura, Lucas and Ollie. Thank you, Chris, for that heartfelt sentiment. Nonsense about mice and that. Right, you're going to hear a pair. This better not be too well wrapped because this is radio. It isn't very well wrapped. Ah, how to, oh wow, <laughs> how to be a Disney historian. It's a book. Yes. It's a book. No, not surprisingly. <laughs> I could have written this book, Chris, surely. Now, it is written by lots of people who are historians. So there's people like Didier Getz is in there. Um, I can't think who else, but there's, there's, they're all listed on the front. But um, it's a bit of fun. Wow. Really, about, basically says... Don't expect to make any money out of it. I think it's, it's <laughs> essential summary. Right, there you go. I, that will be a bath book. Thank you very much. I'm going to open it. I'm not going to read the message out. Cause it's uh, it's it's very lovely. I just read it, but uh, um, <laughs> you know, I don't want to get choked up. Right, it's uh, it appears to be a book. It is a book. Oh, I'm saving the part with the message written on it. Oh, ooh, I'm seeing something that looks Star Warsy. Galactically. What if it's not now? <laughs> the Star Wars Archives episodes. Yes. So Four this... to six, those are the good ones. Yes, no, that was very important to me oh, that I didn't buy you the next strange. one. Strange. Book here. Oh, oh. It's full of pitch. Oh, lovely. Oh, it's lovely, Chris. So 
Tash and the publishers are 40 years old, yeah. and um, this year they've released um, a number of special edition versions of existing books. So the, the normal versions of these books are huge landscape things, mm. but they've done these these smaller concise. Not they've, no, they're not concise because it's still a full book, but there's just a sm- mm. smaller handheld this version. Is- and there's a Star Wars one, there's a Mickey Mouse one, and there's a, a Walt Disney Archives one as well. I love it. This is my bog book for probably about. Let's see how many poos this is. <laughs> <laughs> you have long It's about poos. 700 pages. There's, isn't about it? A, there's about a year in there of poos. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> You're I, I measure my reading in baths. He measures it in poos. <laughs> now, on, th- there's two presents here. Which one yeah. should I open first? Um, well, either's fine. Okay. I'm going to go with this one. Right. Yes. Now, that one, um, I was ordering it online I was like oh this this just looks interesting and uh, then I was like I was telling Lucy about it and I went oh I want to see like a, a flick through of it a video so I got on YouTube and I was like I want to see someone looking at it and like Lucy was like oh do you mean like this and she already had one <laughs> and I was like I was flabbergasted that I'd because she do not have that many books but I'd picked the same one anyway there you go that's a background <laughs> for you so it's something that we've got Ooh, um, I'm hoping oh. you don't have it because you could potentially have this. Well, you have it. I don't, right, but right. it's one that I have been looking at and right. have considered purchasing on a number of occasions. It's a book called Maps of the Disney Parks. I'm showing it to the camera, but you know what it looks like because mm-hmm. uh, you wrapped it and sent it. It yeah. opens down the middle and folds awesome. out. Yeah, it opens down the middle. How bizarre. So, yeah, it's like uh, just loads of maps Ooh. from the parks from over the years. That's bit really of, cool. Bit of imagineering in there, a bit of concept. And things. there's nothing I like better than to look at maps mm. on the bog. Mm. <laughs> now we were talking about maps in on something on one of the shows the other week, and you said, "Ooh, I better not talk about that yeah. because it'll spoil yeah. something." Well, I said that. I said that become apparent at a later date. I think I mentioned my map book. I think you were saying we need to do a show on books, and I went, oh, I've got a lovely map book, and you went, no, uh, yeah. And I wondered how obvious I'd been at that point. Well, fairly obvious, but I didn't know that that's what was going right, okay. so on. Yeah. Not that obvious. <laughs> yeah. Um, shall I open this other one, then? Yeah. Again, potentially something you could have. It's a box. It's just a plain <laughs> box. Kids love a plain cardboard box, don't they? Yep. Done. Oh, the box is actually ripped as I've tried to open it. Oh, there we go. It says small mug two. Small mug two? Oh, that's no. what it says on the top of it. Small mug two. Oh, that's wrong. As in as well, I guess. Oh, I think maybe that's upside down. I've never seen that, actually. That must be the bottom. I've never seen that big message that says small mug two. That's stri- That's weird that I've never saw that. Have I opened it upside down? Well, We're about yeah, to find out. <gasps> that's awesome. <laughs> Describe, oh, please, Christopher. It's it's a three Amigos ornament. What did I say? Amigos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> three caballeros. It's Martin Short in a sombrero, isn't it's it? Martin, yeah, it's Martin Short, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that is awesome. Do you know what? I'd looked at these and we'd planned on getting a load of, of ornaments for the tree and we didn't get any at all in the end. Um, but this is great because not only is it an ornament you can put on a tree, but you can also 
not have it on a exactly. tree as well. We've got a uh, Mickey and Minnie with um, like she's hula dancing and he's playing ukulele, and we put it on the tree. And then when we, t- when we take the tree down, I pop it on the shelf. <laughs> so it's a double perfect. Thing. Guys, this is this is absolute. Well, they, they both are, but that that you know how much I like the three caballeros. The thing about that is um, because the Disney store was shut. I, I like to um, like with with a bauble. I like to look at every single one and pick yeah. the best one. So when I'm ordering online, that's taken away from me. Yeah, it's not the same, but is it? No, I agree. It looks like an okay one. So <laughs> it's a great one. Yeah, it, it's pleased me greatly. We... Have you, have, did you open it to check it before you sent it? Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Good. Good. I was going to say. Uh, I think we should photograph these. Mm-hmm. Yes. And pop them on the tweet. The, them out tw- tomorrow. Tweet them. Yeah. Under the hashtag. Yeah. Oh, should we? Well, you should, should we do a hashtag so you can find them. Yeah. Hashtag thirty-seven Disney Street gifts. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Good. What an episode. Well. Yeah. Isn't it? It's been good. Are we doing another Christmas episode where we talk about? Whatever. Yeah. I think we'll do... I think we should do three short things. Okay. In two weeks' time? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's have a bit of a, a discussion off air mm-hmm. and decide, decide what we want them to be. Or maybe we could pick one each. Yeah. And and uh, and do it that way, maybe. I don't know. <gasps> Something on Disney cool. Plus. We're, th- we're yeah. saying, aren't we? Some of, yeah. some of the Christmas offerings Something. on there. We'll all, Gubbins. We'll choose yeah. one. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, good. Well, we've got, we've got this competition still going. If you want to tell us what your most embarrassing Disney thing is, uh, Disney story, you could win a copy of Bob Sangwell's book, which is... Uh, we've had some really good stories, actually, in so far. Two or three decent stories. Um, get some more in. You could win a book. That'd be fun. Um, and you can find us on all the places where you can normally find us, 37 Disney Street, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, Patreon. Um, and is there any, anything else to say from you guys today? Um, yeah, just this. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>